I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. You're listening to episode 116. Today's thought from above is this. Sin is slop. If you missed the pilot episode of This Is Your First Time Listening, this is a podcast for what we call Mind Discipleship. It's a podcast for those who want to set their minds on Things Above, which is where the name of the podcast comes from, Colossians 3, 1 and 2, where Paul encourages us to set our minds on Things Above. Because setting our minds on good, beautiful, and true thoughts, on uplifting, encouraging, life-giving, biblically-based thoughts from above is not easy. And that's why we do this podcast, to provide for you in each episode a thought from above that you can dwell upon so that your heart will be warmed and you will become a person of faith, hope, love, and joy. So I've talked about my dogs before, Winston and Wesley. I want to talk a little bit about Winston for a minute. So Winston is our older dog. He's eight years old. And he has been trained to be a service dog. And a part of his training was that he had to learn how to walk on a leash and then walk without a leash, like stay healed at the side of, in this case, me or my daughter, Hope. But he had to learn how to do that so that if he's in some situation, he won't be distracted or pulled away. So when we learned that he had to pass a test where he had to do that, I thought, wow, he's, he gets pretty distracted. So like when we, we go on walks around the block and he'll be on a leash with me, if he sees a squirrel or a bunny, I mean, look out. I mean, I'm fighting him because everything in him wants to go chase the squirrels and the bunnies. But over time, with training, he's been able to reach that goal. In a previous podcast, my thought from above was, you are blessed. In fact, blessed with every spiritual blessing. That leaves nothing out. The point that I was making in that podcast is that God has blessed each of us with every spiritual blessing, everything that we would need. Everything our souls hunger for, God has provided. I talked about things like the fact that all of us are divinely designed and we're divinely desired, that we're loved and forgiven by God, and that each of us has access to the with God life, life with Jesus in his present powerful kingdom, which is the greatest adventure your soul could ever take. So, one might conclude, the Christian life is easy, right? I mean, he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. This must be a walk in the park, the Christian life. Well, no, it's not. The reality is it is difficult. Life itself is difficult, and living the Christian life is also difficult. And one of the main reasons that we struggle is because of sin. There we go, the old word. Each of us wrestles in different ways with temptations to sin. That is the temptation to turn from God and to engage in something that we think will bring us pleasure or peace or relief or excitement, something good, right? Because, of course, sin is enticing. In truth, sin is actually never good. By its nature, sin is that which destroys us. 
but we only see it in its aftermath. The great Dallas Willard often said, sin is slop. That's our thought from the day. Sin is slop. It's like the stuff you throw in the pigsty. You're just, here it is, this junk. It's garbage, but not on the front end. Before we actually sin, sin looks enticing. I mean, if it didn't, no one would do it. So there has to be some pleasure in the midst of the sin. But the sin, by its nature, as I said, is that which destroys. That's why God's against sin. God's not against sin because he's old-fashioned or prudish, because it destroys his beloved people. But here's the point. God has set up the world in such a way that you and I have the freedom to choose. And we will often choose not to follow God, not to follow God's ways, to be turned aside. And that's the ongoing daily struggle that each of us has. One of the most famous stories in the Bible, and it's a cautionary tale, it's not a good story, is the story of David and Bathsheba. Very well-known story. Many of you, I'm sure, are familiar with it. It's found in 2 Samuel chapter 11. Here are the verses, verses 2 through 5, that tell the story of David's fall. It happened late one afternoon when David rose from his couch and was walking about on the roof of the king's house, that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. David sent someone to acquire about the woman. It was reported, This is Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So David sent messengers to get her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. So, a lot's going on. The Bible doesn't, doesn't shy away from stories like this. Pretty sordid. It's a dark story. King David He's the king. He's powerful. But he's also a godly man. He's a man after God's own heart, we learn. He's the man who wrote many of our most beloved psalms, like Psalm 23. And yet it was this same person who had a mighty fall from grace. Because what David did essentially was he took the power that he had as a king and chose to take something that wasn't his. Bathsheba was a married woman, but David had the power to send for her, to bring her to him. And the whole scene is very dark. And of course, if you know the rest of the story, after she conceives, then David has to cover up his sin. Because he knew by, the, by law that if he committed adultery, which he did, that it was punishable by death. So he's like, I got to cover this up. So he tries to get Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, to take a furlough, to go on leave and to go home. He thinks, well, if I get him, if I can get him to go home, maybe he will have relations with her. Then, she, then if she's conceived, and she has, then he'll think it's uh, maybe his child. Okay, tries that, but Uriah's a faithful soldier. He's like, I'm, nope, I'm going to stay on my post. I'm, I'm not going to you know, leave. We're, we're in the midst of battle. I'm not leaving. So that fails, and then David goes to the next level and says, okay, um, okay well, how about this? I'll send him to the front lines. And he, and he will likely die in battle. In fact, let's make sure of it. Let's send him to the front lines. And then he tells the general, back the people away so he'll be all by himself and he'll get killed. That's what happened. He did it. So 
David not only commits adultery, but he commits murder. I mean, this is a mighty fall. You think, how could someone who was a man after God's own heart have fallen like this? When I look at this story, I see a pattern. There's a kind of spiral, a descent into sin, if you will. Let me outline that descent. So the first thing that happens, it's, it's true of all sin, is that we see or think about something that we want. Something comes to our mind. Oh, I would like that. That's what happened to David. He's on the roof. He's, oh, there she is. We feel a temptation, and that thought tends towards evil. So David sees her, and instead of just being able to turn away, he thinks, well, what if I... Mm-hmm. He begins to nurture that thought. Then we hear kind of a warning voice. Hey, you know, don't do that. There's that, that which in us, a conscience, in this case, the spirit for David, because he was a, a man who walked with God. But we don't heed it. David didn't heed it. The next part of the descent is that we yield to the thought. We think, well, what if this? David began to think, oh, well, but well, what if I sent for her? What if I... And now the temptation is starting to prevail. The next step is that our vision of God grows dim. Suddenly God's pushed out of the periphery. Now we're not seeing God anymore. At that point then, we're very susceptible to sin, and sin takes over our minds, and then ultimately we sin. So there's a pattern, and it works the same way all the time for all people in every sin. It's just a constant truth. This is how this works. John Wesley, founder of the Methodist Church, commenting on the story of David's sin, said this, David looked a second time. David did not look unto God, but unto the forbidden object, until nature was superior to grace, and kindled lust in his soul. The eye of David's mind was now closed again, and God vanished out of his sight. Boy, Wesley's so insightful with that, because he's pointing out that this was a, David was a person who knew how to focus on God. He was a a person, I mean, the person who wrote Psalm 23, for heaven's sake, this is someone who knows how to live closely with God, and yet clearly David had blocked God out. That's what has to happen for temptation to become such a powerful force. I've found that there are two ingredients, two factors in resisting temptation. So just as that pattern for sin is so predictable, I'm going to offer you today two things that will help you win the battle against temptation. The first is this, staying focused on God, which cultivates joy. And the second is seeing sin for what it is. Remember the thought for today, sin is slop. Okay, so let me repeat those and then I'm going to unpack it. Stay focused on God which cultivates joy, and see sin for what it is, which makes it easier to resist. Okay, the first one, stay focused on God. Hey, that's what this podcast is all about, right? Setting our minds on things above. Let me ask a couple of questions about the story of David. Sort of a what if. Here's some what if questions. What if David had been, as he said in Psalm 16:8? what if David had been setting the Lord always before him? Psalm 16, 8, such a great verse. 
I keep the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. David wrote that. I keep the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. What's going on there? That cultivates joy, keeping focused on God. Well, I mean, what if David, for example, had been writing a psalm that morning? What if he had been focused on God, thinking about life with God, setting his mind on things above, and then he just wrote another beautiful psalm? What if he'd been doing that that morning of his temptation? What if David had been in prayer and meditation? What if he'd been with some other members of his staff, like, you know, maybe the prophet Nathan? What if they'd been having some time together and talking about God, praying together? I raise all those to say that I think we would have had a very different outcome. Something different would have happened when he went on that roof and he saw Bathsheba. I think he would have been able to say, hmm, okay, that's a beautiful woman, and then turned away if he'd been in that state. Because when we focus on God, we end up, as I've already said, cultivating joy. And it's very hard to tempt a joyful person, isn't it? I mean, you see a person who's really joyful, you can't hardly tempt them at all. That's why Dallas also often said, joy is a bulwark against temptation. What a great word, bulwark. It's a strong fortress. I mean, joy is a strong fortress that makes temptation almost impossible to happen, right? Nearly impossible to get a joyful person to sin. So, set our minds on things above, right? That's, that's what this is all about. The second secret to overcoming temptation is to see what sin is. So the second is awareness of what sin is and does. Now, David's sin was catastrophic. I mean, it shredded his soul. It destroyed Bathsheba's soul. It took another person's life. It destroyed Uriah's family. It destroyed David's family. It led to the downfall of the nation of Israel. But David couldn't see the impact of the sin when he was on that roof. He, he didn't have a crystal ball. He couldn't see the future. All he could see was the immediate pleasure, the short-term pleasure, and not the long-term pain. Let me tell you about the pitcher plant. Pitcher sounds like, you know, the pitcher on the, on the mound in baseball. That's how it's spelled. The pitcher plant is a fascinating plant. I've been studying about this plant. It's very interesting. It's native to Australia. And the pitcher plant is this, it looks kind of like a pitcher in its shape. It's this brightly colored flower that grows not in regular soil. That's partly why it exists, because it can grow on a kind of soil that has no nutrients at all. And the reason is it's a carnivorous plant. The pitcher plant actually feeds not on the soil, but on the insects that it eats. So, kind of like a, a, you know, the Venus flytrap, if you've ever seen that, but it's different. So the pitcher plant looks like this, like a, a wine glass, right? And it has this, this opening and there's this sweet nectar. And so the flies and the bees, they go around, they think, oh, there's this sweet nectar. And it's this gorgeous looking, brightly colored flower. And so the insect goes in and it's like, oh, there's nectar down here. And suddenly, as it goes in, it begins this descent. Eventually, the bee or the fly looks around and goes, wow, like, I don't know that I can go up now. And then it begins to close this flap. So the insect goes down this descent into this 
liquid pool. It thinks it's nectar, but it's actually where all these other insects have died because that's what's happening. It has begun a descent that will end in its own demise. It doesn't know it. The pitcher plant is a great analogy of the descent of sin because there's something that's enticing. It draws us in and we think, oh, this is going to be great. And then you get in there and then suddenly you go, oh, wait, this is not. And eventually it becomes a point where it's too late because once you begin that descent in the pitcher plant, there is no turning back. So, well, don't enter into the descent. And Well, the fly and the bee just don't know that. They don't like David on the roof. They can't see that. That's why I keep saying we need to focus on the reality of sin, what it is and what it does. So back to Winston, my dog, right? He's, we're walking along. He sees the squirrel and the bunny, and suddenly everything in him wants to go in that direction, which leads to a fair question. So what are your squirrels and bunnies, if you will? What are the things that you find that are a pull for you? To use the old word, what are your besetting sins, those ones that you struggle with? Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's vanity. Maybe it's envy. Or, hey, we're 18 months into this pandemic. What about worry? What about despair? What about fear? I mean, those are the things that are struggles. One of the things that I do is I do the spiritual discipline of examine. At the end of my day, I go through and say, how did I do today? And I'll go back over the course of the day and I'll think about, you know, where is it that I strayed from this or that? I also am proactive. And so I'll begin to think about like, what's, what's a sin that I need to work on? So I'm going to get a little real with y'all here for a second. A besetting sin for me is gossip. It's, it's something that I've struggled with. When I do it, I immediately think this is not good. I don't need to be saying something negative about someone who's not present, uh, which is essentially what gossip is. And so I began several months ago in my journal keeping a record like it every day. At the end of the day, practice examine. I would say, you know, how did I do today? And I'd go back over the day and I'd say, did I, did I gossip there today? And I, you know, if I did, I'd write, write that out, kind of reinforces that. And I'd think about it, I'd meditate on it, and uh, see how well or how poorly I did. And when I first started doing it, I was kind of stunned at how often I would fail, even though I was, you know, being proactive. But thanks be to God, I have seen some real growth. There have been days and even the better part of a week that I've gone when I didn't gossip at all. Now, what's the point in telling you? I'm not telling that to brag. I'm actually confessing my fault. But what I'm saying is that we can grow. And I have found that when I keep the Lord always before me, right, when, I, when I set my mind on God, when I do that, I cultivate joy. And when I can focus on the destructive nature of sin, in this case, gossip, those two things together result in me doing it less and less. It just loses its pull because I'm looking at something bigger for my life. See, that's, that's, that's turning from God and you turn to something small. The great Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, the pursuit of purity is not about the suppression of desire, but about the reorientation of one's life to a larger goal. Now, the reason I love that quote so much is that what Bonhoeffer's saying is, it's not just, oh, well, don't do, grit your teeth and don't do it. It's saying, Look, I'm not just suppressing some desire. I'm reorienting my life to a larger goal. I want to 
live as Jesus' apprentice in his amazing kingdom. So, how do we do it? Cultivate joy. Focus on God. Remember what sin is and does. Because Christians have been given the grace to overcome all sin. And we'll do it as long as we focus on all of those blessings that we have. Focus on God being present with us. Focus on the dangers of sin, that sin is actually slop. And when we do, we set our minds on Jesus. Now, I have good news to tell you. Winston eventually did pass his test, which was really wonderful. He got to a point. I remember, oh, it was scary one day when I was doing the walk and I had to drop the leash and there was a a bunny not too far away. And he looked at me, he looked at the bunny, he looked at me. And it was just kind of funny because he was thinking, I really want to go after the bunny, but then dad's right there. The master's right there. And he didn't do it. And I gave him a little treat and we walked on. That's just how it is, right? I mean, we want to focus on God and be able to say no to those temptations. Just as Winston passed the test, so can we. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Well, I hope you'll join me next week for episode 117. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith, and you can learn more about this podcast. And if you would like to donate to the Things About Podcast, you can do so on our website, ApprenticeInstitute.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend, and you can also subscribe, which means you'll get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, what's on your mind, your answer will be, things above. <laughs>